In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. When a submarine comes out of dry dock, either after construction or repair, the first thing that the naval crew does is takes it out on a sea trial. They quickly take it out into the ocean and then plummet it straight to depth. They want to test immediately the integrity of the hull. Any weak weld, any loose joint or bolt is quickly revealed at depth with the pressure of the water around it. The crew often calls this the shakedown cruise. They want to make sure that every aspect of the vessel is seaworthy because quite literally their lives depend upon it when they're out on the open sea and they rely on the integrity of that vessel for their very soul's health when they're out for tours of duty. In many ways, um, in reflecting on that, I've come to discover both personally and my walk with Jesus and certainly um, in a pastoral capacity as well, that the interaction between our faith and our finances is our spiritual sea test. In many ways, that is the place, the testing ground, where we discover things about the Lord and we discover what the Lord wants in us. And so um, in week one, Father Greg noted, of course, wonderfully the, the, the beautiful principle in the first fruits and how in doing so we acknowledge and honor God, which is often um, a, a big part of that. Last week in Deuteronomy, we looked at how um, we grow in that grace, what it does in us and what we learn of God through that. Today, I want to talk about that topic, which is always the hardest one, which is the depth, the, the percentage, the, the, the reason for that, what it tells us of God, what it tells us of ourselves, and ultimately why it is a test, because there is a test beyond that. In fact, this, this phrase of testing is in several of our readings, and the reason for that, just as with that mariner's test, right? is that it's often a test for times when there is no longer a test, but it relies on something greater. So let's look at, at two of these passages. First, we're going to look at the test um, uniquely of God in, in our first reading from Malachi. Then we'll turn to our New Testament reading um, as well, and we'll look at that. Malachi, rather than just jumping right into the text to give us some context, as you know, last book of the Old Testament, um, the theme of the book really could be summed up in verse 2, where the Lord says through Malachi, I have loved you, and Israel's response is, how have you loved us? There's obviously a disconnect there. And um, God does not change. In fact, that is a wonderful but also fearful reminder, as verse 6 tells us. I am the Lord, I do not change. And that's good for Israel. Otherwise, they would have been wiped off the face of the earth by this point. They had been wayward. It didn't happen overnight. It had happened over many years. Many years as they'd drawn away from God in all aspects of their lives, chasing after other things, building their own kingdoms, building their own lives. And in the process, they had forgotten. They had forgotten to acknowledge God in all their ways. So this is one of the most interesting passages in Scripture, is it not? Um, God holds them account, basically saying they have robbed him. And they have robbed him of their tithes and their contributions. And because of that, contrary to what they think, that's why 
their curse. That's why they're striving after all these things. The very things they keep working harder to try and achieve um, are actually held back from them because they're not placing God first. And thus, they have gotten completely out of whack and they need to be realigned, if you will, with the Lord. And I think this is a helpful place to stop, um, to qualify a few things, to understand some, define some terms, and to see where we are, right? So um, for the Israelites, the tithe, as Father Greg pointed out, um, first came on their first fruits. It was the first that they received, they tithed the first 10%. Tithes were different than offerings. Tithes were an actual amount of 10%. And then there's also a mentioning of contributions and offerings beyond that, right? Um, that was the first tithe. But they actually had two other tithes, the Israelites did, one annually and one every third year. So if you kind of averaged it out, it basically meant that they were giving about 20% of their income back to the Lord um, each and every year. And then beyond that, they would offer these free will gifts and offerings for particular moments in time when the Lord would call them um, to help with the relief of, of, of certain needs, um, uh, with the poor and the alien and the widow, which we heard in our psalm, um, and in other aspects, sometimes just as a thanksgiving for what the Lord has done. So um, in many ways, it trained them in these ways of acknowledging God at every step along the way. But what they had forgotten, what they had forgotten is that the tithe was really a way of life. It wasn't legalism. It was a way of life. It wasn't intended to be a Jewish income tax. It wasn't intended to be some sort of must from God. It was rather a way of life. And if they would put God to the test, they would realize that, God tells them in verse 10 and following. Bring the full tithe into my storehouse and see then if you will not have enough. Again, um, as I said last week, let me begin with this. Again, this is not about money. This is about something far bigger, far greater, far more important. The money is just a way that we can acknowledge that. And for the Israelites, what I want you to hear is the Israelites tripped over the tithe. That was the floor, not the ceiling. And, and they were not even doing that. And the reason that they had things not well with them, it was not well with their soul in any way, was because they had completely removed themselves from this practice that it entrusted them into the Lord's hands and it placed them in a place of greater trust and acknowledgement of God. I would say the same is, is true of us. Learning and growing in the tithe um, and then that practice helps us do the very same thing. Again, um, it's a place to begin. Um, if we didn't have a marker, we would probably just kind of you know, try to sort that out in, in various ways. So God in his grace and his mercy gives us something to work with. And then from that place, we learn some valuable principles. But growing in the tithe, I believe, um, brings forward a very valuable point that we learn to do that so that we can learn to trust God in even greater things. And by that, I mean this. If we can learn to trust God that we can make it on 90% of what he's entrusted to us, then we learn to trust him at times with even more important things. So once we test him in that, yes, indeed, that works. Um, I'm okay. I can do this. Um, that, that's the story, certainly, of our life at various points, even when things got tough, right? But when we learn to do that, um, it put in practice this principle when things were more at stake. And by more at stake, I don't mean financially. I mean at times when um, your future is at a crossroads and you don't know what to do. Can I trust God with that decision 
and whatever he lays upon my heart. Um, well, if I've learned to trust him day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, in this way, I've trained myself up in a way that I can trust him with something like that. Or when my health is called into question, and I have to figure that out. Who do I turn to? Where do I go? I learn to trust God in that small way so I can trust him in this way. It's a broader principle at play that learns and trains us in righteousness so that we become people who go to God first. Not just with our offerings, but we go to God first every single time. And we've seen him prove fruitful time and time again. And that's why this is the only place in scripture you'll see the test of God ordered in that way, right? Usually, when you see test and God in the same sentence, it's flipped. I am the Lord your God, do not put me to the test. This is the only time he says, test me in this. Because he wants us to understand that if we can grow in this area, then we can grow to trust him in all aspects of our lives. That, that is the, the, the principle behind this. And so it begins there with always, God tests me in this, God says. But once you have, then there's a test for us involved as well, when it really matters most. So let's turn actually to our second reading in 2 Corinthians, if you flip over there with me, we discover where the test kicks in for us. So Paul, um, really in all of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, is writing to the church there about an offering that um, he's taking up for the saints in Jerusalem at a time of severe famine. Uh, the Corinthians have, have said they're going to help out, but they've yet to follow through. And so Paul's really kind of urging them along um, in this way. And in this section where we pick up, Paul's pointing out um, the, this broader principle, right, um, that we follow through in these ways, not out of compulsion. It's not a legalism. It's a way in which we live toward God and towards others. This is a specific test that is different than their regular patterns of giving with the Lord. Um, each must do so, not reluctantly, but cheerfully, um, so that this grace may abound in all things sufficiently. So I think at the end of verse 8, that you may abound in every good work, therein lies another key for us towards this end of what our tithing really does in us. That as we test God in that first, we also learn, secondly, um, that our involvement follows our investment, right? It, it, our work follows where we're invested for the sake of the kingdom. That's why we're tested in that. That's the other side of that interaction. Um, I've seen this true in my own life. I know we see it more broadly beyond the church in many different ways. Um, if I'm financially invested somewhere, I'm usually more attuned to what's going on in that, that thing, whether it's at my child's school uh, or sports or this or that. And the same is true in the church. The, the greater level of our involvement um, is often following with our investment. It's just a, it's a, a, a really easy principle we see at work. And the reason that that matters is because when we get to these places where rubber really meets the road, where it's no longer a test, we're ready to both trust God and then also to follow through on our end. And so let's look at that in this last section of our reading from uh, chapter 9, verse 11. Growing in this grace, right, that we will supply um, the works of the saints. Here's a specific test. Um, we missed this, actually, in our reading um, today. So I'm going to see if I can find it. I wrote it down somewhere, if I can find the notes. In the RSV, 
that actual translation uses um, the word test. And it's actually quite helpful uh, to pull forward. Paul writes, and in that translation it says, under this test of service, this is verse 13, this offering you will glorify God by your obedience and acknowledging the gospel. Under this test of service, this offering, which is that test, you will glorify God by your obedience and acknowledging the gospel. What Paul's noting there um, is that faith goes in action in that way, both in their involvement and their investment, but there's something more broad than that at work, which is God, for whatever reason, and, and it'll take me until I see him face to face, um, I want to ask this question, why? Why do you entrust us with the kingdom? Why do you entrust us with the kingdom? Why do you entrust us with the gospel? That's the bigger principle at play right there. That it's not just um, about growing in grace of giving, learning these principles, and our faith follows our investments. But lastly, we're entrusted with the very kingdom of God. And that's a really weighty thing when we think about it. That's what the test, when it's no longer a test, is really about. When we think about this more broadly, um, uh, when we think about things in culture, maybe this will help. Um, this past week on Wednesday, as I was kind of working through all of these things, um, one of the tornado sirens went off. Um, you're, you're used to that. Um, I, having grown up in this area, was a little alarmed because I clocked them. They're usually on the first Wednesday of the month, and I was going, you're about a week off, guys. Um, but I've grown so accustomed to them, more often than not, I don't even pay attention to them. But when it, off, when it went off, it kind of caught my attention, and then I thought about this conversation I'd had with someone rather recently who's new to the area. And they said, the first time that happened, it absolutely scared me to death. And I said, yeah, it is a little uh, alarming, isn't it? And I said, but here's the good news. This was before last week. I said, normally they go off on the first Wednesday of the month and they test the system. And they said, oh, that's helpful to know. I'll, I'll be more aware going in the future. And they said, but why is that? They said, well, you want to test it every month because when you really need it, you want to make sure that thing fires up. And as I was thinking about that, while that's going off and I'm reading and praying through these passages, I was thinking that's the point, right? We go through this test of God so that we might trust him in greater situations, but the other side of that is also true. God wants to trust us with his kingdom and wants to entrust us with greater things. And greater things, again, let's not mean it as, as money. We're talking about broader things. And when the rubber really meets the road, um, that's what he wants of us. And as we learn to pattern our lives in this way, we show him that, yes, not only can we um, be entrusted with those things, but we desire to be entrusted with those things. And as Malachi ends this passage, which we won't go back to, but um, it's a reminder that the day of the Lord is coming near. And one thing we see in Scripture, right, is that um, as the end draws near, which it is every day, right, um, that it only gets harder. And as it gets harder, he's looking for churches and people, the Lord that is, who can be entrusted to be about his work when it gets even more difficult than we may think we've been through. And I hate to say it, it will, um, because it will. Scripture tells us that much. When Christianity is pushed out of the public forum altogether and we go back where we began in the catacombs and the corners of society and the fringes and in the sidelines, um, will we be entrusted with that deposit to hang on to it, to continue to invest in the lives of those around us, to call others in? when it can mean a lot more at that point than it ever has. Um, it can put us out of the public forum altogether, yes, but it could even land us in prison as it has in other parts of the country. Will we be 
faithful to be entrusted with such things when things are more on the line than even we can imagine. In many ways, God gives us, just um, as we do with children, right, these ways that we can grow in these disciplines so that when more is on the line, we are ready. And so that's what this is all about. It's, again, not about money. It's about broader kingdom principles. First, that we discover who God is. He's unchanging. His promises are sure. And we can trust him every step along the way. And he tests us so that our feet follow our investment. He knew as much. That's why Jesus taught on the topic of possessions more than any other topic. Because he knew that much. Remember? Where your treasure is, your heart will there be also. And he does that because he wants to trust us with more. Again, not just financially, but he, again, I don't know why, but he wants us to be a part of his kingdom's work, even though he can do it completely apart from us. So might I ask you this week, um, this coming week is the last of our uh, stewardship um, series. Would you commit that to prayer? Would you make some time this week to truly spend time with the Lord praying about that? Um, if, if you're new and this isn't your church home, um, this, is, this is an in-group decision, so this is not applying to those who aren't part of the household of faith, right? But I'd say that if you're newer to the church or you're coming in, um, pray about what this commitment to the Lord looks like in your life. What does it mean to be more committed and rooted to the Lord? Where can you grow in that grace, in your time, in your discipleship, in your Bible study, whatever that may be? But for those of you who call this church home, we are called to do this. To commit to the Lord towards this end. And so will you commit that to prayer? If you've never given before, um, where might you honor God in that way or grow in that grace? Um, if tithing is new, how might you move forward in that grace toward that end? Um, the point is that even in the wrestling of that down in prayer, even in maybe putting pen to paper, even in just kind of going, I don't know, Lord, you honor him even in the acknowledgement that you're wrestling that out. Do you see that? And that's the point that we wrestle everything down with him, and that as we do so, we grow to find these things which are unchanging and true time and time again for him and for us. For those of you um, who are in that practice of tithing, um, I've grown to realize that we can't just set it and forget it. Um, we, we need to spend time um, really acknowledging the Lord towards that end and asking him what he's called us to do. I'll tell you, in our life, the greatest joy we found is often in the offerings above our tithe, where the Lord says, why don't you help with this or that? That is where the true delight sometimes comes, helping with friends um, and mission across the seas, or those who's God starting up a new ministry. That's sometimes where we really get to delight in what God is doing. So commit that to prayer. And uh, next week, we have that opportunity to respond. Um, we call it Commitment Sunday, and we have commitment cards. It's very Anglican. It's very liturgical. Um, as with all things, there's, there's, there's movement involved and all of those things. I've come to realize as time has gone on, this is not normative in, in, in other Christian churches. So um, for that end, maybe I can unpack that a bit. Um, commitment cards really are toward the end that as we wrestle that down with the Lord, we actually write something down between us and the Lord that we choose to hold ourselves to account to before him in the coming year. And then this is what I always love. Then we put our feet in motion on that Sunday where we come forward and we lay it on the altar of God. It's a really symbolic gesture, right? Um, that as we do so, this is just a reminder of what Paul reminds us in so many other places, that our very lives are to be a fragrant offering to the Lord. So that as we come forward, we lay down our lives, and this is just a token thereof. 
but that we might grow to trust him in all aspects, that he might find us more trustworthy, and that our feet would follow where our heart is tethered more fully as a result. So know that as we go through this week, I am praying with you, I am praying for you, because as the day draws nigh, the Lord continues to look for those who will walk with him faithfully, and those who can be entrusted with even greater things solely for his sake and for his glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.